Hey, my name's David. My name's Tyler. We're the Shapiros, and this is Double Overtime. All right, welcome back to another episode of Double Overtime here. Got your host, David, on the line. Uh, unfortunately, no Tyler again tonight. He is on a business trip with work, um, but I do have a good friend of mine. I got Kenny on the line. How's it going, Ken? How's it going, David? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, big basketball fan here. Um, and with the draft coming up on Thursday, I figured you'd be a good guy to help me figure out who's going where. I know I got a lot of questions for you as far as the draft as, and as well as some free agency stuff. Uh, so before we go ahead and jump into it, uh, go ahead, guys, give us a follow on Twitter at the double underscore OT. Uh, go ahead and also follow us on our Apple podcast. Just search double overtime, subscribe to us. Um, and of course, on our Facebook page, uh, search Shap Sports. And uh, give us a follow there. Of course, Double Overtime is presented by Shaft Sports. Um, Ken, you know, yes, we got sir. the draft. 1 through 15 is what we're going to roll with. Um, me and you will alternate picks. We kind of did this earlier with me, Tyler, and our buddy Nick. Um, but right now, two days before the draft, you know, it looks like some things are shaping up to be a little different. Obviously, we're not going to project any trades or anything like that. Um, but let me go ahead and start with the Phoenix Suns. Um, I think it's pretty clear and cut that they're going to go ahead and take the big man, DeAndre Ayton, uh, the center out of Arizona. So anyone who watched college basketball, you know, saw him dominate. You know, he just looks like a specimen out there. Seven feet, 250 pounds, uh, seven five wingspan. Uh, he's a double-double machine. Average double-double, I believe about 23 and 11 out of Arizona. Um, and he's also an underrated passer. You know, he's got some, some good vision, uh, smooth-looking stroke. He can step out behind the three-point line. Um, and he shoots the ball well from the free throw line as well, which is, you know, something that is a big plus for, for big men. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's dominant down low. He can face you up. He can back you down. Um, and he's a great rebounder on both sides of the glass, uh, offensive and defensive. Now, there are some questions about his, you know, defensive ability to anchor a defense. Um, you know, typically with the number one pick, uh, you know, a big center like this, um, you're expecting a two-way star, you know, whether that's like an Anthony Davis, Cat, um, you know, Joel Embiid. Um, you know, that's kind of the question. Can he anchor a team? And that's going to be something that we find out, especially on a team like Phoenix, that they really need that presence. Um, he didn't necessarily average great block or steal numbers while he was at University of Arizona, but the Suns are getting a player that they know is going to make an impact right away, um, and he does have superstar potential. Uh, any disagreements that he's going number one? No, I, I think he's the uh, consensus number one pick with everything you said. You know, he's... I think one of the most things I love about him is I think he has the most NBA ready body in this draft. Yeah. You, know, you look at him and most you know, most big guys who typically come in the draft, well they may have the height, you know, the six ten, six eleven, seven footers, but you know, they're only like two hundred and twenty pounds. They're very small. You look at him and I'm looking at his numbers, he was listed at seven foot two forty three. You know, anybody who watches him, you know, he's he, he's pretty cut. I like his muscle. He's definitely a physical player. I think he's got the potential to become a good defender. Like I said, he's, he's got that big body with that 7'5 wingspan. He's got a 9-foot standing reach. So I think just some experience in the league and some time behind some older guys, I think he really could mold into a great defensive player on top of his already stellar offensive game that he showed this year. Yeah, that's that's the question. If he can show up on defense um, and, and really prove that he can be an anchor, 
Uh, there, I mean, there's no doubt that he's going to be a superstar in this league. Look, this this draft class is loaded. Um, so let's move on with your number two pick on the Kings. Uh, yeah, for the number two pick with the Kings, I had them taking Marvin Bagley the third out of Duke University. Uh, he was. I watched him in high school, and I liked I liked him, but he really surprised me in his first year in Duke. I'm looking at his numbers. He averaged 21 and 11, and he shot 40 percent from three. And Grant, he's a 6'11 big. So as a freshman in college, you know, that's I think that was very impressive. And one of the things I love most about him is, despite his size, is how agile and athletic he is. And there were a lot of times where he would grab a rebound and he would go coast to coast. You know, kind of reminds you kind of how Demarcus Cousins kind of does that more of like a slim Demarcus Cousins, like a Carl Anthony Towns. Sure. I like his athleticism. Like I said, he's a pretty good shooter. You know, he needs to work on his free throws and like kind of like Aiden didn't have great steal or block numbers, but I think he's a great athlete, especially for his size. Like I said, he's probably I would give him more athleticism than Aiden does, and I think he's one of those guys who has that high motor who just wants to get on the court and just go. He's all over the place. He's grabbing rebounds. He's running around. You know, you've seen some plays with Duke where he's you know caught some lobs that you just kind of had to step back and be like you know wow this guy's pretty impressive. You know, I like his hands. You know, the only thing. Um, Kind of like Aiden is, you know, defense, you know. He sometimes doesn't seem like he doesn't understand how rotations work, and especially, you know, in an NBA offense, how quick, you know, things can shift and, you know, how, you know, your head has to be a swivel, especially, you know, if he plays the four or the five, you know, he's going to have to anchor that post in the rim. So that's one of the things that I'm going to be interested to see. But I think uh, Sacramento really needs him because while they do have Scalabissier from Kentucky and uh, Willie Cauley-Stein also from Kentucky, they – they really haven't done much yet, and I really don't know how committed Sacramento is to those two guys, and especially with you know De'Aaron Fox, who I think is going to become a great player. And we all see how you know athletic and how energetic he is. I think him and Bagley could be a phenomenal uh, big little duo. Yeah, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. And, and kind of when I look at Marvin Bagley, and I don't know if it's because of the lefty stroke necessarily, um, but he re- he kind of reminds me of a Chris Bosh. Um, you know, the ability to step behind the three point line. Um, score the ball, rebound. Um, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily, Chris Bosch at times look flashy, where I do think Marvin Bagley, like you said, um, he's had some plays on some tip slams and alley-oops where you're like, oh my God, like, how did he just do that? Um, but as far as, you know, the ability to rebound, shoot the ball, and impact the game, I kind of see a little bit of Chris Bosch in him. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I see more of an athletic Chris Bosch. Sure. Uh, so with number three, we got the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, I know earlier in our show we had Luka Doncic going too. I actually have him fallen out of the top three here. Um, I have the Hawks taking uh, Mo Bamba, the, the big man out of Texas. Look, there's been a lot of talk recently about Mo Bamba's potential. You know, him possibly not necessarily, necessarily being the number one pick, but, um, you know, eventually being the best player in this draft. Um, and for good reason. Uh, you know, I've seen quite a few of his... Uh, videos of him preparing for this draft and, and working on things he needs to work on. Um, look, he, he kind of has a similar body to, to Rudy Gobert. He's seven feet tall, which uh, with a seven foot nine wingspan, um, that's going to be the biggest, the longest wingspan in the NBA uh, right in front of Rudy Gobert. Look, he's fluid. He's light on his feet, um, especially for his size. And he's been working really hard to expand his game. Um, beyond the three-point line, which is obviously, you know, today's NBA, that's that's very important for a big man. And, you know, kind of at Texas, we saw he could shoot the three. He just didn't shoot it very often. But in the in this offseason, you know, preparing for these drafts, you know, he's looked very comfortable out there. Now, you know, there's been some questions about him. Uh, his motor and, you know, his kind of ability to always be in it every single night, every single play, every single possession, which, 
you know, in the NBA, a lot of games come down to one or two possessions, especially in, in the playoffs. Um, if that's something that can improve, you know, his motor becomes more consistent um, and he's out there. I mean, his tools are undeniable. I think this kid truly does have the ability to be a two-way superstar. There's no doubt that he's going to impact the game defensively right away. Uh, I mean, his length to, to block balls and impact shots in the lane um, and just rebound the balls are going to be unquestioned. Uh, I think yeah, I think his shot has, has come a long way. Um, he's a solid free throw shooter, you know, better than most big men. Uh, if he can if he can fill out his body, um, he's kind of like you mentioned, you know, a lot of big guys that come into the league are a little smaller, not like a DeAndre Ayton. Well, this is a good example. He's a big guy, but not necessarily, you know, built like a DeAndre Ayton yet. So if that's something that can, you know, come to him as time goes on, I think he really does have the potential to be the best player in this draft. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he, he probably is one of the guys with the most upside in this draft. You know, like you said, he's, he's he was gifted with this immense length that he has. Like you said, you know, he has the highest standing reach that we've ever seen in the NBA. And, you know, I think he was listed at 7-1 without shoes on, so, you know, that they'll round up. But, you know, like I said earlier, you know, just he needs to grow into his body. And I think part of the problem is I think he's still growing. I know I was watching an interview when he worked out for the Bulls uh, about two weeks ago. And he admitted it's about growing about an inch and a half since the end of uh, his season at Texas. So, That's crazy. You know, you know, obviously with guys who are so growing into his body, he doesn't really have time to become comfortable because by the time he gets comfortable with his current body, he's going to grow again. And I think it's really hard to pack on that muscle and size he needs when, like I said, he's growing still. But, you know, like you said, he's just, he's so big. Like that Rudy Gobert comparison, you know, I think he'll just be a lane clogger, which is his length, and he's going to turn back, you know, any layups or, or floaters that are going to come into the lane and really force teams to have to beat them from the outside. But um, and like you said, with his motor, I question that at times. And the other thing is, you know, which I don't, I don't blame him for, is with his size, you know, he was probably, probably one of the biggest guys in college basketball and could definitely take advantage of the opposing center because, you know, most college centers are not 7-1 with a 7-10 wingspan. And he was probably able just to go over the top of that, you know, in the NBA. There are guys like, you know, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, and Marcus Cousins, DeAndre Jordan, you know, the likes of them who, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, who are just his size and stronger than him, so he's really going to have to work on his post game. And I think a combination of a, a solid post game with his length, I think he really could be unstoppable. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I think another thing that I didn't mention is he's also a solid passer, um, just as DeAndre Ayton is, which, uh, you know, we've seen how valuable that is for big guys such as, you know, Jokic or, you know, Draymond Green, whoever that may be. Um, but yeah, I agree. If he if he can truly work on his offensive game and be able to play both back to the basket and facing up, because um, he's pretty explosive facing up. He's got a quick first step. But yeah, you know, there's guys that are like you said, his size that are you know just just much stronger than him. So that's definitely going to be something that he needs to develop. And I I do think he will. Um, that's crazy that he's already grown an inch and a half since you know a few months ago. Um, you know, it's not, it's not very uncommon. We see it. We saw it with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Exactly. Um, we saw it with Giannis. He, yeah. He grew a few inches. Um, same thing. I think Anthony Davis even grew a little bit coming Anthony out of Davis, Kentucky. Yeah. So Chris we'll see. Porzingis. Yeah. Chris stops. Yeah. Who all, turn in, who all turn into all-star players. Right. These guys are all studs. And I think the next guy that you have going at four has the potential to be a stud too. Go ahead and tell them about that. Yeah. For the number four pick with Memphis Grizzlies, I had them taking, uh, Luka Doncic from Slovenia. Um, this is one of the kids who I think is probably the most mysterious player in the draft, as you know him coming from Europe, and you know we didn't really get to watch him play a full college season or you know high school basketball. You know we saw clips of him playing professionally in Europe, and 
if you check his accolades, I think he's one of the most celebrated European players of all time, especially for his age. He's only 19 years old, you know. He's a six foot eight, you know, 230, so he's got, the, he's got the size, but, you know, he plays the one or the two, so that's, you know, really rare. You know, I kind of see that like a, you know, kind of like a bigger, you know, James Harden-ish, you know, with his kind of flash that he has, you know, if you watch the sure. highlights, so he, he threw those kind of Harden and kind of, you know, kind of reminds me of like a young Manu Ginobili with those kind of passes and those, those kind of just unique European moves, you know, that I think gives European players the advantage over American players. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he's got, I guess that he's 6'8", so if he plays the one or the two or even the three, he's going to be able to match up with anybody, if not overpower most guys in the guard position. You know, I think he can play... He can play the guard at a great level. He's a pretty good ball handler. I mean, you watch him, and he's comfortable. He's not one of those guys who has to, you know, continuously have his back to the rim because he's afraid of getting ripped, and he'll face up guys, and he's not afraid to cross over. You know, I think he's a guy who, late in the game, you could trust with the ball in his hands and, you know, to make the correct move and not have a careless turnover. You know, another thing that, you know, was kind of unnoticed is for his age, only being 19, you know, he hasn't been around the game that long, but he... Is a he's a pick and roll maestro. If you really watch, yeah, him, he, he really knows, is. He knows yeah. how to run a pick and roll, which is so undervalued, and especially for him being six eight. You know, one he could play the guard. You know, you know, rolling off to the big guy and giving a great pass a lot. But I think he could also play the guy who's rolling to the rim. You know, with his size. So I really think he could be a dual threat. You know, the, uh, the another thing. You know, Europeans. You know, the defense. That's also a question. You know, another thing is you know how athletic is he? Like again, we've only seen a small sample size with him over in Europe. You know, we've seen, like, his shooting ability and his passing ability and, you know, his rebounding and, you know, his, his mentalness and how smart of a player he is. But, you know, we kind of got to see more of his athleticism. Like, he's 6'8", so he can power over these players. But does he have the athleticism to keep up with, you know, the LeBron Jameses and Ben Simmons and Paul Georges, you know, guys who are his size who can also play the guard, you know? You know, I think that's something that, you know, I'm interested to see and, you know, how's, how's he going to hold up against American players. Right. Look, I think this kid has the potential to be the best player this year in the draft. Um, I don't think his ceiling is as high as, like, a DeAndre Ayton or a Mo Bamba um, or even maybe a Marvin Bagley, you know, guys that we had going ahead of him. But, you know, he's he kind of does it all. He's a great shooter. Um, he is really a pick-and-roll maestro. You were right about that. Um, I was watching quite a few highlights of him. Uh, even just on a pick and roll, you know, right away hitting guys in a corner for a wide open three, you know, you know, 24 feet away, you know, he's very smart and he's had a lot of pressure on him. You know, he's been this guy um, who came over to Madrid at a really young age. Uh, I think like the age of 13, he was playing on like the 16 or 18 U teams. Um, look, he's going to be good. He's a great rebounder. You know, like you said, he's six foot eight. He does it all. I, I'm excited to see what this kid does. I think him falling out of the top three is going to be a blessing for whoever gets him whether that's memphis or uh dallas right behind him at five or you know maybe even someone that trades up but look i think luka Doncic is is going to be the real deal he's yeah i think so yeah. too i think he's gonna be the next great european player and i also saw i saw a report today on bleach report that uh uh sources heard from cleveland that if, if he's end up falling to the eighth that that's their first option so i mean could you could you imagine a backcourt of Luka Doncic and LeBron James? I think that would be a scary combination. In the There's East. no way he falls to eight. However, if he falls out of the top three, and especially out of the top four, I would be very shocked if there was not a trade up from, um, like a team like Cleveland, maybe even a, a team like the 76ers, who I know are looking to get into the top five. Uh, oh, yeah. to, to go yeah, get if, him. If he, if he falls out of the top four, you're going to see some team trade up. It's, I think that's a guarantee. But I, I guess, like you said, the doubt of him falling out of the top three or four, I think, is, is some to none. Yeah. And I know there were some concerns with 
you know, they didn't know if he was even going to be declaring for this draft a couple weeks ago. Um, I did see today that he'll actually be attending the draft. So uh, I don't think those had to be concerns for anyone anymore. Um, but yeah, he's going to be a, a true talent. I think there's a lot of good players in this draft. Um, and the next guy that I have going to the Dallas Mavericks at number five is another great player in uh, Jaron Jackson, the uh, forward from Michigan State. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, he's 6'11", uh, 240 pounds. He doesn't look like he's 240 pounds, but look, he has the skill set to be a consistent starter in today's NBA game for a long time. Um, long wingspan, 7'4", a frame that's going to fill out nicely. He's going to even get, get even stronger. Look, he can defend one through five, you know, every position out there. He can switch on screens, uh, defend the pick and roll on either either position on the ball or off the ball. And look, it really does make him an ideal fit in today's game. Uh, he shot over 80% from the free throw line, over 40% from the three-point line last year at Michigan State. And uh, he's not really your old school big man. You know, he's a player, like I said, that can switch on defense, step out behind the three-point line, um, you know, work pick and roll, pick and pops. And he's going to make the right play. You know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, I, I think that he's a very smart player. His IQ is very high. And the Mavericks are going to be, you know, they're lucky to get a guy like Jaron Jackson at five. This draft really is, you know, very deep. I think there's quite a few people in this top 12-ish that can be, you know, legitimate all-stars in this league at some point. Um, now, of course, he does have some weaknesses. You know, he's he's not as strong as some of these guys like DeAndre Ayton, uh, Mo Bamba. But, you know, he's 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 going to be a very good player. Uh, he also doesn't welcome contact a lot, um, and especially in the physicality of the NBA. Um, we'll see if that's something that kind of affects, you know, his ability to get to the free throw line. Um, he does need to become a little bit of a better passer. Um, I know that there's been some talks about his, his shot is uh, a little funky. He needs to work on his mechanics there. But all in all, I think, to be honest, that Jaron Jackson is the least likely player in this draft to be a bust. Um, I think he's going to be a solid, solid starter with a really good chance of being, um, you know, a three to five time All Star in his NBA career. Like, I really don't see any chance of this kid being a bust. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I do like this kid a lot when I watch him. Michigan State, and the thing that you have to keep in mind is he's not even nineteen years old. Yeah, yet. he's young. He's still, he's still eighteen. He's still a freshman. You know, he's he's a kid. So I mean, you and I remember what we were like when we were eighteen. You know, we, you know, you're still kids. You know, he's still trying to figure probably figure out his body figure out, you know, what kind of game does he really have? Is he, like you said, is he one of those, you know, new NBA stretch fours, or is he a five, or you know, what is he? But, you know, I think the advantage of him playing, I think there's two advantages of him playing in Dallas. I think one is playing with a point guard with Dennis Smith, who I think is I like Dennis Smith. an electric player. Yeah. I love Dennis Smith. I loved him in high school. I loved him at NC State. You know, that kid is just electrifying to watch. I think, you know, he's one of those guys who could get Jaron Jackson just running up and down the floor and with his with his length and size he really create some problems. And, and the second advantage is his uh, Jaron Jackson playing with uh, an older Dirk Nowitzki. Granted, Dirk's on his way out and probably, what, a year or two left probably. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, we talked about, you know, his odd shooting motions. And can, I think we could probably agree that Dirk is probably the best shooting big man of all time. Yeah. You know, I mean, could you imagine – you know, all the things that you can learn from Dirk, you know, how to post up, you know, how to shoot, you know, you know, how to really play. You right. Know, like and you, and that's a good point because you look at Dirk, um, he's definitely not a guy that's overpowering you. You know, he played with a, a lot of good power forwards and, you know, Kevin Garnett, uh, Tim Duncan, you know, guys like that. And he's kind of a little lankier guy too, but he uses his body to create that fadeaway that was just unguardable. 
And, yeah, I, I definitely think that's something that Jaron Jackson can yeah, learn from him. That's a great point. Yeah, that's, that's the strap that gave LeBron James trouble for, you know, six straight games or whatever it was in 2011. But I think just him spending time with Dirk and learning how to, you know, how to shoot, how to how to correctly play at that size. You know, the, you, know, the, you can play with, you know, finesse as a seven-footer. You know, here's how we did it. Because, you know, I think Dirk is one of the guys, you know, when you talk about unorthodox shooting, you know, I think he's the first guy who comes to mind. You know, he's one of those guys who just made it work. You know, he's probably one of the only – seven footers so you got to worry about you know this guy could really kill me from the outside or the inside so i think that the time that he's going to spend with dirk i think will, will just tremendously help him like he's still so young so he's still so teachable you know i think you know if i were him i would just absorb everything that he learns with dirk and playing with dennis smith and you know i think that just can be a great system for him yeah i, I couldn't agree more I, I look i think anyone that's going in this top five and really even in this top 12 like i said these are going to be some good players. So let's let's move it on with number six, who a little flashy, little flashy guy over here. Oh, Tell him who that flashy. is. Number six, Orlando Magic. I have them taking, I would say, the most controversial player in this draft with Trey Young. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, we, you know, the first thing you have to do is, you know, numbers don't lie. You know, looking at his stats, he averaged 27 and a half and nine assists as yeah. a freshman in college. Led D1 un- in both. Yeah. That is unheard of. You know, while, while still shooting 37% from three. But that is unheard of as a freshman player, let alone, you know, a college player. Most college men aren't averaging 27 a game. No, and definitely yeah. not 27 and 9. Not 27 and 9. You know, you look at him and, you know, he really does remind you of a younger Steph Curry. With, you know, he's not the biggest star. He's only 6'2", you know, not the most athletic. But he's got a shot that would just demoralize any team that he's playing against. You know, I mean, you've watched all those games where he just had to take over and just absolutely just dominate. You know, he's pulling those 35-footers and crossing guys over, you know. I think he's I think he's either going to be the most electrifying player in this draft or I think he's going to be the biggest bust in this draft. I'm, I'm really interested to kind of see how this works. And I think that Orlando's going to benefit from him is because, you know, being brought Orlando stunk this year. Yeah, they really they, haven't had a good point guard, you know, since, like, Hardaway. They had Alfred Payton and they got rid of him. And uh, I think that Orlando will benefit from just the offense. I think Trey Young will be able to come into the system and just have the green light to just, you know, go out there, create your shot, you know, demoralize these teams, get some other guys involved, you know. Like I said, he averages nine assists a game. He's not just, you know, a guy who's going to go take 30 shots a game and not pass the ball. I think right. he's a great assist, man. You know, the only the negatives about him, though, is like I said, you know, he's a small guy, you know, so he's going to get beat up against, you know, the, the Russell Westbrooks and, you know, the Alonzo Balls and, you know, the point guards who are 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", who are clearly way bigger than him, you know. And the thing that separates him from Curry is, you know, while Steph Curry is the greatest shooter in the NBA and has a great handle, you know, he's a really good finisher. I mean, if Curry gets to the lane, he's, he can finish around some big guys. And I, I question that with Trey Young because I, I don't I didn't really see any – spectacular finishes around the rim and you know the kind of explosiveness and finesse that he's going to need because like you say he's only 6'2 so you know finishing around you know the guys in his draft like you know the Aitons and Bagley's and Bombas you know he's going to have to get around these seven footers and you know on nights that your shot's not falling you know you got to have a backup so yeah. now I know. will say that is definitely something that Steph developed um, you know we didn't really see that you know finishing ability but what I will say is I think Trey Young is going to succeed very much so in the NBA. I think the spacing of the NBA game is going to help him, you know, tremendously. You know, we saw how many times at Oklahoma. Look, there was nobody on that team that he had that was remotely, you know, near the level of his ability. And and that's the difference in the NBA. Um, you know, he's going to come around and there's going to be NBA spacing. 
Um, he's going to have, you know, people that can hit open threes when he passes them the ball. Look, he's a great playmaker. You don't average nine assists by accident. Um, I, I truly believe Trey Young is, you know, and it's kind of been the talk around when I've been looking at articles, you know, are teams passing on Trey Young missing in a superstar? I think so. You know, I've, I've talked, you know, a little down about him in the past, but, you know, looking more at how the NBA game has evolved, I think he has a really good shot to be successful and become, you know, a superstar in this league. Yeah, I, I agree too. I, I think, you know, I see it on Seth Curry, which, you know, him coming out of Davidson, you know, he wasn't touted as a great player. You know, a lot of scouts thought he was too small, a consistent jumper, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, he's now a two-time MVP, a three-time NBA champion, you know, arguably the best shooter in the league. So I, I do like Trey Young. I just think, you know, like you said, he's going to need some time to develop, you know, his complete game because, you know, if he just relies on his shot, then, you know, I don't think he's going to achieve, you know, his full potential. Yeah, I agree. Look, number seven, Chicago Bulls, maybe the second most controversial player in this draft, Michael Porter Jr., uh, the forward out of Missouri. You know, we didn't get to see him play a whole lot for Missouri, but he is from Missouri. Uh, So it does seem like everyone knows about the the 6'10 forward. You know, before he even attended college, there was a lot of talks, Michael Porter's going to be the number one pick. You know, it doesn't really matter, blah, blah, blah. And here we are, the Bulls taking him at seven. Um, So I don't think there's really any questions about the talent or the potential that Michael Porter Jr. has. You know, it's all about durability for him. Uh, You know, like I said, we only saw him play a few games in college because of the back injuries. Um, And then, of course, you know, he just missed his most recent NBA workouts because of those same back issues. Um, So, look, you know, it's kind of, do you take the chance on a kid who maybe the durability issue, you know, can, can they fix that early? And if so... Do you truly think he still has that number one, you know, potential? That's the question. Look, the kid can score the ball from anywhere on the court. He rebounds very well. Um, his size combined with his shot makes it very tough to defend. You know, he can push the ball in transition. He can fill the lane correctly, hit a corner three, run to the rim. Um, he has great instincts and a high IQ. You know, his dad's a college basketball coach. He also played in the NBA. Um, now, I will say he's a little streaky at times. Um, but I same thing with Trey Young. I think the NBA spacing is gonna only you know only help his game. Um, now besides the durability questions, you know there's not many weaknesses that I see with this guy. Ken, um, you know he's he's not as bulky as some of these guys. You know similar size to Marvin Bagley. I think Marvin Bagley is a little bit more uh, strength to him. But you know you look at a guy like Kevin Durant. Now I don't think he's gonna be as good as Kevin Durant. Like let's not go that far. But you know the ability to shoot over people. Um, and use his length, you know, I think I think that's kind of a, a decent comparison. Look, I, I again, this is one of the players in the draft who has potential to be a superstar, you know. He was, like I said, when you're talking about being a number one pick, you know, clearly that potential is there. Um, but it, it's all about can he stay healthy because, you know, I'm sure everyone knows back injuries are no jokes. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's the number one question is can he stay healthy? But that, like you said, the talent's not the issue. It's just, you know, is his, can his body handle, you know, the NBA season? You right. Know? It's a long college, season. Exactly. You know, college, you play, what, 35 games, games? yeah. 35 if you go to the, you know, 35 or more, depending on how far you go in the tournament. You know, NBA, you're playing 82, and that's not even counting playoff, you know, and not counting summer league, not counting preseason. Yep. You know, you know that's, you know, and obviously, like you said, back injuries are such a huge problem, you know, for players, and especially with taller players, you know, especially because, you know, people his size, you know, the guys who are 6'10", 6'11", 7 foot, you know, the strain that they're putting on their back, you know, is 
someone that big who's moving like that athletically and you know making their body do that stuff I think it's just such a strain on his back I think you know whatever team picks him and I hope it's the Bulls you know, they you know thoroughly work him over you know make sure that he's guaranteed to play but the other thing I'm I'm concerned about is his uh, mental mental aspect you know did this injury shake him at all you know is he going to be scared when he's going down the lane going against you know a guy as big as Joel Embiid or DeMarcus Cousins of you know if I go up for this shot you know am I going to end up you know is my career going to be over after if I take a hard hit or something you know you know I worry that he you know is not going to be as aggressive as he could be sure. because in the back of his mind you know kind of like that the Derrick Rose syndrome in the back of his mind like you know I could be one second away from gone you know yeah no I mean you kind of saw that when he did make his return um late in that NCAA tournament you know there's a lot of times he you know he had the ability to drive the lane and when he played that florida state team who had a lot of length a lot of size similar to nba players yeah a lot of jump shots a lot of pull-ups um a lot of tough shots instead of you know trying to get to the rim so you know that is definitely something that that will be interesting to look at you know i there's no question about his talent like we both said um it's it's whether or not he can stay healthy um now the cleveland cavaliers are picking eight this is possibly a team that can move up I know you mentioned Luka Doncic, someone that they have in sights, but assuming they stay at eight, who do you have them taking? Assuming that they stay at eight and they don't get Luka Doncic, I have them taking Wendell Carter out of Duke. Yeah. I again, I, I thought Wendell Carter and uh, Bagley were just a dynamic front court. I thought they were, you know, arguably one of the most unstoppable front courts in college basketball in this past season. You know, you look at him. You know, he I, I consider him. I consider him a true center, but also not because he does play that kind of center game. Like he averaged fourteen and nine. But he also shot forty percent from three, you know. So I think he's one of those guys who kind of like a Demarcus Cousins. You know, Demarcus Cousins can can get down in that lane. And he will bully ball you in the post, and he'll grab fifteen rebounds in the game. But you know, he also can spot up from three and kill you from the outside. You know, you look at him, and he's only six ten. But granted, he's got a seven five wingspan, and he's two hundred fifty pounds already. So he's a big man already. He's a good shooter. I like I like his catch and shoot ability. Um, one of the things that I don't like about him is he's not as explosive a player as Marvin Bagley was. He's more of a below-the-rim kind of guy. Yeah, for sure. And um, sometimes I think he second-guesses himself when he gets in the post. You know, you kind of watch him sometimes at Duke. He'd get in the post, and you know, you kind of watch it, a lot of pump fakes or fake pivots, and, you know, just he would be doing too much. And instead of just, you know, slowing down, thinking about what he has to do, making the right pass or making the right move, you know, which I think if he plays in Cleveland, you know, he's going to have LeBron James, who will be, you know, one of the best teachers he could probably, you know, learn from. And I think, you know, playing with LeBron, you know, LeBron is, you know, regarded one of the brightest basketball minds in the history of the game, you know, will give him some good pointers and, you know, teach him, you know, how to slow down and, you know, how to think thoroughly. You know, here's what you need to look at during the game. But I think LeBron will love playing with him because he's a guy who eats rebounds. I think he's uh, the rich man's Tristan Thompson. I think he's Tristan Thompson with a jump shot. That's a great comparison. You know, I kind of, when I look at Wendell Carter Jr., um, you know, I kind of see a similar comparison to a Jaron Jackson. Um, I don't think he'll be as good, but I think he'll be a solid starter in this league. I don't necessarily know that he'll be an all-star, but yeah, I think he'll be a solid, like, 10 to 12-year starter. Um, Solid, like a Tristan Thompson, but again, like you said, someone that can, can step out and knock three down. Which LeBron um, needs, which he needs to yeah. have more guys like that. Exactly. It's it's today's NBA game. Um, yeah, you know, that, that's Tristan Thompson's weakness is he can't shoot free throws, and, you know, more than five feet past the rim, he's useless. You know, yeah. Grant, he could grab eight or ten rebounds in a game, but, you know, he, you know, he'll put up, what, six points in a game, you know, and, you know, 
as, as we saw in the playoffs and the finals, he needed help, and he didn't get that from anybody. So I think if you had a solid post player in Michael Carter, who, you know, could be eating eating rebounds, you know, all day long, and, and then, you know, stepping out when he has to and developing a decent post game, I, I really think that he'd be a great asset for this team. I agree. Now another guy who I think is going to be a great asset for the New York Knicks at number nine, and I think this is the steal of the draft, maybe a rookie of the year candidate is Colin Sexton, the guard from Alabama. Look, I think the Knicks try to fix the whole Frank Nittalikina move, um, and they roll with Colin Sexton. This kid can play. Anyone that saw any of Alabama's games knows this kid can play. Um, he's six foot two. Um, so it puts him, you know, kind of in that little shorter range. There's a lot of length now at the at the position, um, but he's he's not super short. And you pair that with his athleticism and his explosiveness. I mean, watch out. You know, this kid is truly an exceptional athlete. Um, he can create. He can get to the rim, um, and he doesn't need a screen to get to the rim. He can uh, get there off the dribble, and he can finish with either hand. Um, his three point shooting does need to improve, but I will say his ability to kind of pull up and create in that mid range. Uh, it's something that's a big tool for him you know kind of in a similar sense I think when Russell Westbrook first came in this league um, you know the three-point ball was something that he kind of struggled with but obviously we see his explosiveness um, his ability to pull up in the mid-range now you know is is kind of uncanny it's you think of the best mid-range pull-up shooter for me I think of Russell Westbrook Um, and and I think Colin Sexton has the potential to be that guy Um, look his motor is off the chart he's He's got solid vision. He does need to become a better passer. Um, he is a scoring first point guard, definitely not a pass first. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this kid has the mentality that every coach, every GM is looking for. He's got that killer mentality, um, which is what you look for in, in a point guard. Look, I think the Knicks are getting a steal, someone kind of similar to uh, Donovan Mitchell who maybe can go ahead and win that rookie of the year, you know, minus the whole Ben Simmons situation, but you kind of catch my drift. Yeah, I I agree with that. I remember the first time I ever watched Colin Sexton play was in the McDonald's All-American game. And I remember watching and just thinking, who is this little guy who is just tearing it up? And, you know, you could tell he was playing with his full heart and just reminded me of, like, a young Westbrook, Derrick Rose kind of player. You know, that I followed him at Alabama. And like you said, like, he's one of the most, probably the most aggressive player in this draft, I think. I think he probably has the highest motor in this draft. Yeah. You know, I think he definitely makes up for his lack of size with his motor I think you know well he doesn't have the gifts you know of being you know 6'6 six, six or something like that but you know he makes up for it but he's just relentless that's kind of what he reminds me of that Russell Westbrook you know granted Westbrook is bigger than him but you know he still isn't the biggest guy you know this his relentlessness and his just tenacity and ferocity that I'm going to get to the rim and I'm going to score on you no matter what I have to do to get this ball in the rim I'm going to do it you know you know, one of the things you know you kind of touched on is he reminds me a lot of Russell Westbrook, and you know I hope if that is the case, he kind of learns from Russell Westbrook's first five or six seasons in the league, and really learns to kind of calm down on the court. You know, not saying tone down his ferocity, but just learn to play. No, yeah, for sure. Smart, that's that is smart. something that's been a problem for him. You know, he plays a little erratic at times, um, and a little turnover prone. So I agree. You know, there's times where you need to slow the game down, and I think exactly. that's something that he can learn. Um, I would like to point out, though, that he is a great defender as well. He was, he can, he's yeah. a fantastic defender. I will give him that. You know, that's one of the things I think one of one of the key things. You know, he's going to be one of those, you know, kind of like a Patrick Beverly kind of guy. I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Beverly. I'm saying he's going to be better than him. But, you know, a, you know his willingness, so, you know, I'm going to go out there and drop 25 on you, and I'm going to guard your best player, too. You know, I don't, I, I'm going to you know, man up to the challenge, and I'm going to do it. You know, like you said, he has to learn just to calm down and, 
you know, in the NBA, you know, turnover here could, you know, could swing the whole game, you know? Yeah. You know, so I think I think if he can figure that out, then, yeah, I really do like him. I think he needs to become more of a complete basketball player. Yeah, and, and I think when you speak of complete basketball players, the kid that you have going to number 10 is as close in this draft to a complete basketball player that we have. Oh, yeah, number 10, Michael Bridges out of Villanova. How can you not like this kid? Yeah, I mean, he, this kid he does it all. A, this kid was just an all-around stud for Villanova. And um, you look at him, you know, he's a junior, which is rare. You, know, you don't see many guys. You know, he's, already, he's almost 22, so he's played three seasons. And obviously anybody who follows college basketball knows that the past three seasons, Villanova has been the team in college basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, under a great coach and great players. You know, I grew up watching Jalen Brunson, you know, his – his point guard at Villanova, you know, fun fact, Jalen Brunson beat my high school team in, in the state finals game, so I really got a lot of close-up looks with him. But, you know, Michael Bridges is one of those guys who I think will come in and he will just immediately make an impact on, on the team. That's why I have him going uh, number 10 to Philly. I think Philly needs just a prototypical scorer, someone who can come in, knows his role, can step up, make the shot, plays within himself. You know, he's not going to be a selfish player or going to try and do too much. You know, understand that. This is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid's team, and you know, find his role in between in between those two star players. I, I think he's the best player. If I mean, look at him, he's six seven. You know, he can play the two or the three. He's got the jump shot. He shot forty four percent from three, which is pretty high. Yeah, it's very he's good. A great eighty five percent free throw shooter. So you know, I, I I would trust him in the late game situation on the court. You know, which you know most rookies you wouldn't trust. You know, when there's forty five seconds left and you're down by three, and you need you know you need someone who you can trust to make a shot or make a free throw. You know, I think one of the things he does need to improve on, though, is while he's a good shooter, you know, good 3 and D guy, I think he needs to become better at putting the ball on the floor, you know, and being able to kind of create his own shot. Sure. You know, which you won't have to do that much because you're playing with a guy like Ben Simmons, who is a phenomenal passer. He's going he's to get him open. But Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, if this guy does go to the 76ers um, where he gets put in a good situation where he doesn't have to be a shot creator, look, he's the perfect fit for a 3 and D guy. Um, he kind of reminds me almost of a, like a Robert Covington for, exactly. for the Sixers who they have right now. Teammate, yeah. yeah. Um, also maybe like a P.J. Tucker, um, someone that can defend the ball really well, switch on to four positions, um, and, and you know, 6'7", maybe even be a stretch four at times um, with how exactly. the NBA game's evolving. So, yeah, yeah I think I, I think, I, I think it's a I, perfect I fit in Philly. a guy who can come in and just know his role right away. There's not going to be that much of an adjustment for him, you know? I agree. I agree. Now, number 11, Charlotte Hornets. Um, I have Shy Gilgis Alexander, the guard out of Kentucky. Um, you know, we had a lot of big men going pretty early in this draft, and now lately, you know, quite a few guards. Um, so so we'll, we'll keep the going with the guards at 6'6", uh, six 180-pound six, point guard. Um, not necessarily highly regarded coming into Kentucky. Um, you know, kind of like the fifth or sixth best freshman, you know, coming into to this season, but definitely ended the season as the best player. Um, you know him along with Kevin Knox, who uh, someone we I also love. have in our top fifteen. Um, they, you know, they they led Kentucky to an NCAA tournament berth. Um, they they did some damage. Ultimately, didn't get as far as they wanted. But I kind of see a lot of comparisons to uh, a Sean Livingston. You know, he's got great length at standing at six six, like I said, with a seven foot wingspan. Um, you know, Sean Livingston was supposed to be a stud when he came into the league, and obviously he had he had that terrible knee injury. Yeah. Um, and now these last few years with Golden State, you know, he's been a solid backup. But I think Gilgis Alexander has a chance to be, you know, a really good two-way player in this league. Um, his length does make him a plus defender. 
He can finish in the paint and in the mid-range with some finesse and some nice touch um, because of that length advantage that he has. Um, and he's a great on and off the ball defender as well as a, as a great ball handler who has some great hesitation moves. Um, you know, he didn't shoot a ton at Kentucky. Uh, I think he shot the three ball just over one time a game, but he did shoot over 40%. He did. Um, he was a better, better than an 80% shooter from the free throw line. Look, you know, he's, he's got tools to be a good player. Um, and like I said, he's a good dribbler, but his playmaking ability, uh, does need some improvement. He gets stuck a lot, especially in the pick and roll. Um, he'll pick up his dribble um, and, and you know kind of force some turnovers there. But you know another area that he needs to improve upon is I think being a consistent shooter. You know, forty percent is fine, but when you're shooting once a game, um, you know many of those are open looks. You know he needs to be able to make some tougher shots. But look, he's young, he's lanky. Um, he's I think he's going to need some time to develop into this into this league. But you know he has the potential, like I said, to be a solid two way guard in the league. Yeah, I agree. I watching Kentucky this past year, he was not the guy that I would have painted that you coming out of the season would have said, Yeah, he was the best player by far. You know, you look at him like you say he's a six six guard who can play the one or the two, which gives him the advantage over most guards in the league. You know, he's got that kind of passion that I like to play. He's a great ball handler. I like I like kind of in the pick and roll Kentucky, especially with, especially with Kentucky's great bigs who could shoot. I loved how he played that. You know, the only thing that questions me is you know, one of the things is his shot. He's kind of got that awkward push shot, which, yep. mm-hmm. you know, in the NBA, he's going to get lit up in the NBA if he doesn't fix that, you know, kind of like Markel Fultz did this past year, you know. Once it was discovered that, you know, he really, his shot just disappeared, you know, and he really got torched on that until he figured out, you know, how to work around it and, you know, how to fix his game to play uh, being a great shooter. And the other thing is, you know, while he does have that length to guard great defenders, to be a great defender, excuse me, he doesn't have the greatest athleticism either. You know, while he does have the length to keep up with guys like Westbrook or Dennis Smith Jr., you know, Chris Paul or James Harden, you know, I think a lot of those guys could blow by him because I don't really see, you know, that much lateral quickness on him, you know? Yeah, no, no doubt. I agree. Look, I think the next two guys that we have going, um, obviously we'll go in order um, to the Clippers. I'll let you go first. These are guys that both stayed an extra year um, to try to help their draft stock, and ultimately I don't think it, it worked for them. Uh, go ahead and give us your 12th pick for the Clippers. 12th pick for the Los Angeles Clippers, I have Miles Bridges out of Michigan State, and I want to start by saying that I have been following Miles Bridges since he was in high school because he's actually the same age as I am. So, you know, going, growing up playing high school basketball, you know, watching his highlights in AAU, and just, you know, th- this kid's a beast. You know, the one thing you can't argue with him, he's a 6'7", 220-pound freak of nature really I mean he really is kind of like a tank you know you watch you watch at Michigan State you watch him in high school and he makes these plays that just kind of make you sit back and just kind of be like wow you know this guy is just outstanding and, you know his freshman year I think he relied a lot on his athleticism the fact that you know for his size while only being a six foot six six seven he was very muscular and strong and could out muscle his opponents and the one thing I am glad about him saying next year at Michigan State is that he worked on his jump shot while he's still only shot 36 percent from the three from the three-point line he was an 85 percent free throw shooter i think he did touch up his shot enough to make gms not totally question his jump shot but i love this kid i think he's just explosive i think he has a high motor i think this is a guy who at six 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 seven could be draymond green like with rebounding and just getting in and being physical and kind of having that nastiness that you know some teams need which i think the clippers are in desperate need of because after the whole Blake Griffin, Chris Paul fiasco, you know, 
we really haven't heard anything much out of them. You know, it's it's uncertain what DeAndre Jordan's going to do. You know, which kind of alludes to the next pick, which you'll talk about in a minute. But you know, while he's not a great passer, Miles Bridges, I I really don't think that they, that's something that the Clippers need. I think they need someone who's just going to dominate the glass. You know, dominate. You know, in the uh, open court, someone who can throw the ball to, who's going to throw it down on someone's face. And I think he's someone who could become a consistent shooter, not a great shooter. I think he's someone who you could grow to depend on. Sure. You know, kind of. You know, I, I kind of see him as you know a more athletic. Draymond Green with a better jump shot, you know, if that makes sense. You know who he kind of reminds me of is Josh Smith. He does, yeah. He was good. Yeah, Josh Smith was good. He was a great player. He yeah, a great he, player. he ended up getting his shot down a little bit towards uh, the end of his career. But, yeah, I agree. He's, he's an athletic yeah. wing. Um, you know, he can he can score from most places on the court. Um, and, and that is encouraging. You know, his both his percentages in the three-point and the free-throw numbers went up from his freshman to sophomore season. Um, but the the 13th pick, also the L.A. Clippers, um, this was part of that Detroit trade uh, with Blake Griffin. You know, I do think they need a point guard, uh, but with the guys that we have coming off the board before them, I don't think there's a guard good enough to take here. Um, so I have them taking Robert Williams, the center, out of Texas A&M. Um, now, this is another guy, like I said, he should have been a top 10 pick last year, similar to Miles Bridges. Um, who They both can be this year. I don't think they will be, but... Um, stayed for their sophomore seasons and didn't really help their draft stock. Um, now this is a player who exactly reminds me of DeAndre Jordan. You know, six yeah, eleven, long seven five frame wingspan. Um, he's a great rim runner who plays above the rim. He can catch lobs. He can crash the offensive glass. He can run the floor. Um, and he's a very productive shot blocker and rim protector as well. Now, of course, there's questions. There's a reason he's not in the top five. Um, he doesn't always seem to be focused. You know, his motor is is also a question for him. Um, he relies on his athleticism, you know, far too often, um, rather than the mechanics, and he does not have good anticipation, um, which obviously you can't just rely on your athleticism in the NBA. Um, he's a poor free throw shooter. You know, he shot at fifty four percent in uh, his two seasons at Texas A and M. Look, his athleticism is off the charts. You know, very similar to anyone who has seen DeAndre Jordan play. You know, he can get catch those those lobs real high, get up there and crash offensive boards um i think he has the potential to do exactly just that um so now it's just a question of is he willing to adapt to the nba game um is he willing to learn and is he willing to rely more on the mechanics instead of his athleticism yeah you know when you when you look at robert williams and his stats and everything and the comparison to deandre jordan is is pretty scary i mean if you, you can compare everything from the fact that they've both been to texas a&m you know they both probably stayed in college a little too long you know, I, I think Robert Williams is a little bit smaller than DeAndre Jordan. I think DeAndre Jordan is a little bit taller than him, but, you know, not great free throw shooters, you know, not guys who you would count on to give you 20 points a night, but, you know, guys who you could count on to, you know, I need you to go out there, I need you to give you 15, re- 15 rebounds, so I need you to dunk every time you get the ball, you know, which I think if Robert Williams plays that for the Clippers, I think him alongside DeAndre Jordan, or, you know, if they do draft Robert Williams, you know, I could see a potential deal of them getting rid of Sure. Or, you know, trading him for either trading him up for a pick or getting someone, or maybe getting that point guard that you were talking about. Right. You know, because they really are kind of the same player. You know, they're both extremely athletic, great shot blockers, athletic enough to switch out to play the guard guards, which is you know kind of unheard of at this point. You know, like you said, he's not going to be relied on to be a guy go out there and be a finesse player, go out there and give me twenty points a night. But you know, I think if he comes in the league, so you know, I'm going to get out there and maybe give you. 12 points a night, 10, 12, 13 rebounds a night, 
two blocks. You know, I think I think he'll be a I think he'll be a great player for you know ten to twelve years. Yeah, he's he's not going to be like an all star. I agree, but uh, yeah, I think he can put up those consistent ten ten double double games. Um, be a consistent center for a you know a good team. Yeah. Now pick number fourteen. You know we mentioned your guy earlier, Kevin Knox. Go ahead and tell me what you love about this guy. Oh, I think he's one of my favorite players in this draft. I loved watching him at Kentucky. He was just a stud. You know, like you said, one of the things you have to start off, first of all, kind of like you mentioned earlier, some of these players, he's not even 19 yet. He's still 18. You know, so the fact that he's doing this as a freshman with not that much experience is kind of scary. But you look at him, 6'9", with a 7-foot wingspan, a 9-foot standing reach, you know, he averaged 16-5 and in his freshman season. You know, shot the three decently well, but I, but I would consider him more of a scorer than a shooter because you saw, I don't remember watching the game against uh, West Virginia when they were down by, like, when Kentucky's probably down by 20, and he single-handedly pulled them back. I think he scored 34 or 37, you know, including a big-time three with, like, 30 seconds left the game, and he kind of had that, that kind of it factor, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of a, uh, like a Paul George, maybe not not as athletic as Paul George, but kind of that big guy who's more of just kind of a pure scorer and kind of just that silky guy. Yeah, no, uh, I see I, it. I yeah. love the kid. I love the kid. I think you know he needs to start utilizing his size. Like he's six nine, six ten. You know, he only averages five boards a game. I think he needs to take advantage of his size. You know, I think I think he could potentially you know could be a fifteen and eight kind of guy. You know, without much work to his game. And I think he needs to become a better defender, which is kind of a common theme in this draft. We look at most of the players we've talked about have to work on how to play defense, which, as you know, if you listen to the debates, you know, everyone will say that, you know, don't play defense in the NBA. But they do, and you have to learn how to play defense, and he's going to have to learn, or else, you know, he's not going to get playing time, or he's just going to get cooked out there. But I, I like the guy. I think this guy is a guy who's going to come in kind of like a, you know, we talked about for the 76ers and Michael Brady. I think Michael Brady is, I think this is a guy who's going to come in and just contribute instantly to a team like the Clippers who need some scoring and need some consistency. Yeah. Look, I think he's going to be good, and I think his shooting is actually a little bit underrated. So we'll see how that translates. We'll see if his scoring ability kind of gets better. I, I, I like the Paul George comparison. Um, I don't know that he'll ever be that good, but I think no, he has I, the potential. I, I agree. I don't think I love Paul George. I don't think he'll be as good as Paul George. But I mean, you can kind Paul of George also him. was not projected to be as good as Paul George, so we'll see. Yeah, he, he's another he's another guy who grew when he came. He was projected to be just a, a you know a great defender, and now yeah. he's a perennial all star. Yep, I agree. Now, and now for the last pick. Yeah, the last pick, Washington Wizards, number fifteen that we're going to cover. I got Mitchell Robinson. Um, so probably a guy not too many people have heard of for a little bit of time. Um, but this kid was an All-American, you know, a five-star recruit out of high school, originally committed to go to Texas A&M this year, um, and then he went to go follow a coach to Western Kentucky. Um, that didn't work out, and eventually he just took this year off completely from playing competitive basketball. Um, he did enter his name, obviously, into the NBA draft this year. Um, look, this kid has the physical tools to be, you know, a star. Um, I think if he attended college and had a, just a, even an okay year, I think he'd be a top 10 pick. Um, look, he's 6'11", 230 pounds. Um, his senior season in high school, he averaged 26 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 blocks. Um, you know, his athletic ability, kind of similar to a Robert Williams, you know, who did go to Texas A&M. Again, it's off the charts. You know, he plays above the rim, also runs the floor pretty well, and he's got some very good speed for someone his size. You know, the 7'4 wingspan, his ability to catch the lobs, you know, he's explosive, and he is known to play very hard, which is something that you know, GMs look for. 
He's he's got the natural instincts on defense. You know, six blocks is no fluke. Obviously, again, it was in high school, um, but I think he can be a good rim protector and a good shot blocker in this league. Um, and he, he also has a pretty smooth jump shot. You know, he's got a lot of tools to be a good player. Now the question marks are there. You know, he's not the most skilled player on the blocks. He fouls too often on defense, um, and he is already 20 years old um, with no high level competition. You know, there's nothing for these NBA scouts to see any film on him besides you know the McDonald's All-American game but look you know they're gonna look into considerations why did he take this year off why why didn't he end up playing Western Kentucky but his pure athletic ability you know I think it makes him a top 15 pick for me yeah I agree you watch him in high school and you saw him in the McDonald's All-American game and looking at just his raw stats you know the kid's got potential he's got he's got a great athletic body I think he's got that NBA body you know if he packs on maybe a little bit more muscle just because you know Bigs need, to, bigs need to be big, but, you know, like you said, you know, the fact that he, he didn't play in college, you know, all we saw them as in high school, and, you know, maybe he played at a good high school, but, you know, most most of these kids who are going to the NBA, high school was a joke for them, you know, these, these are kids who were playing varsity in eighth grade, you know, so I do want to see how he faces up against NBA competition, you know, like, uh, the advantage that all the other guys have in the draft is that they played college, or in Luka Dodge's case, he played professionally over in Europe in a fantastic European league. So they're playing against, you know, guys of their same skill caliber. You know, and while he did take off the year to train, you know, there's a difference between training and getting valuable game experience, you know. So I'm interested to see, you know, how he plays in a full five-on-five team game. And you know, like you said, can he be dependent on to be a good defensive uh, big? Like you said, he fouls a lot. There's going to be a liability at times. You know, he's not a great post player. He, he's decent, but I, I would like to see him hone that up. Maybe he has, you know, in this season of taking it off. I think the questions of, you know, why you took the year off of playing of playing to uh, train are either going to be answered in the summer league or in the season when he comes in, he's either killing it or he's going to come in and he's going to be like, eh, then it's going to be like, okay, well, you know, that probably was a mistake. So I'm, I'm kind of, this is kind of a kid I kind of, we kind of got to wait and see. Yeah, I agree. Look, I think that, like I talked about it, these guys in the top 12, um, even in the top 18, you know, there's going to be a lot of good players. Um, the the first-round draft pick's becoming more valuable now, so I think that this is a deep draft class, kind of similar to last year's, which is something we'll get into. Um, but let me go ahead. We're going to just roll with a bunch of questions. I'm going to fire them at you, give them to me quick, and we'll, we'll just keep moving on. I got a lot for you. Um, so the first one, Trey Young. Better chance at being a superstar or a bust? Well, we kind of touched on this earlier, and the potential of this kid is off the charts. You know, I mean, I think the comparisons of Steph Curry are not out of the league, out of league, or you know, you know, out of context. I think that he really could potentially be another version of Steph Curry. I think he needs to, you know, figure out his game more and figure out how to become a driver. Kind of like I spoke earlier when I talked about, you know, the Magic taking him. But look, I mean, the kid knows how to put the ball in the hoop, and that's something a lot of kids coming in don't excel at he's a kid who comes in and just he knows how to score and he also knows how to how to pass which is also something that is very underrated coming in that you know most kids have to learn how to play within an offense and learn how to you know find the open man versus you watch him and at Oklahoma and he's firing passes behind his back and throwing it across the court and he's just playing so smart so I, I like this guy I think he's gonna be great okay so better better chance of being a superstar yeah I think so okay now, I covered Michael Porter Jr. and the back issues. Now, let me ask you, with a lot of solid players around him, you know, I think the consensus is he's going to go anywhere from 5 to 10. Um, are you kind of afraid to draft him with other solid players on the board? 
See, this is a tough one. I've been really thinking about this one all day. You know, kind of like you talked about, you talked about him. There's no question about his talent. This kid can play basketball. That's that's not a question. It's just you know, can he can he can his body handle the NBA? You know, when when I was thinking about this question earlier today, you know, the, the one thought I kept thinking of is this really reminds me of Grant Hill. I'm sure a lot of viewers probably don't really know who Grant Hill is. Obviously, you and I do because we're huge basketball fans. But he played in the late '90s or early 2000s, and he was rated as, you know, he was the next Magic Johnson, and unfortunately he suffered a really bad ankle injury, and the rest of his career was pretty great. I mean, he had a decent career, but, you know, coming in, he was, you know, he was the guy. This is the guy. This is the next Jordan. This is the next Magic, you know. Not saying that Michael Borg Jr. had those expectations, but, you know, like you said, you know, it was always talked about, you know, this kid's going to go number one. This kid's going to be a star. This kid's going to run the league, you know, and I just, you know, I really question if his body can hold up, you know, and like I talked about earlier, you know, the mental aspect as well, you know, is he mentally okay, okay with, you know, okay, I, you know, my body, do I trust my body enough to go take a beating, you know? I yeah. would like the Bulls to draft him if if all works out, and I, I have a good feeling about that it does, you know, if he can maintain. I think a front court of him and Lowry marketing would be scary because they both are lanky, long dudes who can shoot the ball, yeah. put the ball yeah. on the floor. I, I think that would really help Chicago, and especially, you know, with the, with the decent guard that they had around him. So... I do worry about his back, but I, I, I want to trust the kid. You got to trust the kid right now. You know, he said he's fine. You know, he did pull out of a he did pull out of a workout, but he, I did watch a press conference where he talked about how uh, a lot of the media over exaggerated what he sure. said. So you know, he hasn't he's played you know like fifteen minutes of college basketball. You know, I I just don't think we've seen enough of this kid. Yeah, I want to give this kid a chance to prove himself. Now let me ask you: the Bulls are picking number seven. Trey Young and Michael Porter Jr. are there. Who are you taking? Man, I knew you were going to ask me this. Oh, man. You see, the thing with the Bulls is, to be blunt, I'm, I'm a huge Bulls fan, as, as you and I both are. You know, they stunk this year. You know, they, you know, besides Larry Markkinen and later getting Zach Levine, you know, there wasn't much of an upside on this team. And there's talk about, you know, is Levine going to come back? You know, he wants the max deal. Is he worth the max deal? You know, how long is it going to take Mark and then to become what we think he's going to be? So part of me thinks, yeah, we need to take Michael Porter Jr. because a dominant front court of Mark and Michael Porter Jr. would just be unstoppable, and I think that would really help them, help them, you know, start winning more. But part of me thinks, you know, they need a good guard. You know, Chris Dunn was decent, but if you if you saw the the media report that the Bulls were unhappy with his work ethic, you know, and I question, you know, how hard does he work and you know. He, Chris Dunn was a phenomenal player at Providence. And yeah, the thing about Chris Dunn, too, is, I mean, first of all, he's a great defender, but people also don't realize that he was 23 when he came out of college. Exactly. Um, so he's not a young guy. You know, Trey Young is like five or six years younger than him, so that's something to look at, too. Exactly. So, you know, that's why part of me thinks, you know, I was kind of asking, I was kind of kind of hoping, you know, to ask your opinion, what do you think the Bulls do more? Do we need a dynamic guard who can score? Or do we need another big who can play that three four position along with Markinen? I think with today's NBA, you go get the guard. Um, you know, you can find yourself that stretch four. You know, Michael Porter Jr. Again, I think he has the potential to be a superstar. Um, but you you get guys like Laurie Markinen around Trey Young, um, Zach Levine. You know, guys that can shoot the ball. I think it puts him in a good situation, and and I think it's better just. Like I said, you know, it, it's hard to find that stud guard in a in a league that's so dominated by point guards. You know, if you don't have that stud, 
you know, we look at a team like the Pelicans, you know, they, they can't really do it with just Anthony Davis and, and even DeMarcus Cousins. You know, it, it really is a guard-driven league. You look at the best teams, um, you know, kind of maybe not including the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, you know, Houston, you know, Golden State, um, Donovan Mitchell in Utah, you know, Boston with Kyrie, you know, it's, it's a lot of guard heavy. So I would, I would probably take Trey Young over Michael Porter Jr., yeah, that's, that's where I've been leaning towards all day, but that would be such a tough decision. It would be, and I'm glad we don't have to make that decision. No, I'm glad that we're not wounded yeah. or, or stressed with doing this. Yeah, I would be. I would love to do that, but they don't pay me enough to do that. No, they don't pay me enough at all. <laughs> they don't pay me at all either. All right, so give me three guys that have the potential to be like franchise cornerstone players in this draft. Three guys. Well, I think the most obvious one is the one that everyone's saying to go number one, DeAndre Aiden. I yep. think he's... I think, looking at him, like I talked earlier, he's got the most NBA-ready body. I mean, this kid literally is a freak of nature. I mean, you look at this kid. I remember the first time I watched him play, I thought, oh, my God, this kid looks like Will Chamberlain. He's just incredibly tall, muscular, runs great, can jump. You know, you saw the, I don't know if you saw the video of you know him doing that vertical leap, uh, the, the, the vertical leap test, and it was reportedly like 44 inches or something like that. You know, 44 wow. inches is, is phenomenal. But you gotta remember, he's seven one. Yeah, I did not see that, so, by the way. Yeah, you'll have to, I'll, if I find it, I'll have to, I'll have to share it with your, you know, tag it on the, you know, on the Twitter. Yeah. But it was, it was unbelievable, and they, they did the thing where they watched the videos. They just videoed him doing some trick dunks. I mean, you know, this guy's seven one, who's you know rocking the cradle and putting it between his legs and doing three sixties, and it's just like this guy has got it athletically. You know, there's been talks about you know his defensive mindset, but you know, and stuff like that, but like. He's got he's got all the tools. He's got the body. I think he's got the skills. I think they need to get pulled out. I think playing in the NBA is going to teach him how to become a better defender. I mean, you look at the guy; he's blessed. That dude is blessed athletically. Yeah, he's got the tools. Exactly, he's got all the tools. I think you know he's going to make an instant impact. And you know, a lot of a lot of college centers, you know, are so dominant because they're so they're big in college, but they're not. They're average size in the NBA. I mean, this guy's going to be one of these guys in the NBA. You know. Him, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, Cat, they're going to be the biggest guys already, you know? Yeah. But I think if he learns how to use his body and his aggressiveness, he's going to be unstoppable. Uh, second player we just talked about, I think if Trey Young lives up to his expectations of what he's supposed to be, I think he could be the next great guard in the league, you know? I'm excited to see what he can do, you know? It'd be, it'd be kind of cool to see a Steph Curry in the East, you know? Yeah. <laughs> get... want to think about it that way. There you go. They need some star players in the East. Yeah, they really do. But uh, the other guy that I've, I'm really going back and forth on my third player because I like a lot of guys. And, you know, I'm going to stick to my guy I talked about for the Nuggets. I really think Kevin Knox is going to be a great player. Really? Okay. I, I, I like this kid. You know, I, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a super, superstar, but I really do like this kid. This kid is just kind of like the kind of eight. And like he's got the tools and he's, he's so raw. You know, he's only 18 years old. You know, he needs... A good system. I mean, you know, picture this. I have him going 14 to Denver. Could you imagine a team with him and Jamal Murray together? And Jokic. And Jokic. So, I mean, you know, I, that would be they would be a playoff team in the West. Oh, yeah, for sure. They should have been a playoff team this yeah. year. They should have been. Jokic is, you know, one of the most dominant centers. You know, we, always, we often forget about his name. He's one of the most dominant centers, you know. Great passer, great finisher. Jamal Murray, I love. He is just a centric, great scorer. Great yeah. passer. He's one of those guys who I think is is really gonna just keep taking off. And you know, Kevin Knox and Jamal Murray, that Kentucky connection. You know, 
Instagram. They didn't play at the same time, but they both played in the John Calipari system, so I think sure. they would mesh well together. And he's kind of got that same flair that you know Jamal Murray has. You know, I think he's one of those guys who you put the ball in his hand, he's going to score. I really do like this kid. All right, all right. The, look, I, we don't want the obvious ones, and I'm going to kind of give you some obvious ones. But my three are DeAndre Ayton, Mohamed Bamba. Um, and I guess this one not as obvious, but uh, Colin Sexton, I'm very high on Colin Sexton. Yeah, you're big on him. Yeah, I think he's going to be a stud. We'll, we'll see. I think if the Knicks get him, that they'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, now, flip-flop. Give me a guy in the top ten most likely to be a bust, and it could also be someone that you just named. All right, well, here's the part you may disagree with me on. While I do love his game, I really don't know if I see Colin Sexton becoming a superstar. Really? Bust? Yeah. I don't know if I would say bust. I just don't think I would. I don't think he's going to live up to what everyone thinks he's going to live up to. Granted, I love his game. He's relentless. He's aggressive. You know, all the things we talk about. He's a young Westbrook, a young Derrick Rose before the knee injury. You know, but one of the things I think that made him so dominant in college is because he was so aggressive and there was not really any guy who could guard him and he could just be aggressive and aggressive and aggressive and make up for his lack of size. But, you know, in the NBA, when he's going to go up against guards who are three, four inches bigger than him, and just, just as quick and aggressive as him, you know, what is he going to rely on? You know, like, he's not a great shooter. You know, he's a little too crazy. You know, I don't, you know, sometimes he gets in the lane, he makes the wrong pass or turns it over. You know, I don't think he has the best finishing skills. He knows how to finish. Now we'll get, he, he's ferocious when he attacks for him. But, you know, like I said, you know, in the NBA, when he's driving to the rim, he's going up against, you know, Joe Embiid, he's not going to be able to be, you know, his ferocity, he's got to be playing with some finesse, you know, which, you know, granted Westbrook is that ferocious, too. granted Westbrook is a little bigger, you know, Westbrook has a little bit of finesse in his game, Derrick Rose for the knee injury, he was a very finesse-like player, Yeah. so, you know, I do like the kid a lot, but I don't know if I see him living up to the expectations, I'm Look, curious to see what you say about that. Well, I mean, obviously, I don't think he'll be the bust, um, for me, a top 10 guy is, is Michael Porter Jr., um, and it's simply because of the durability issues, um, obviously something that we already covered, Again, he has the potential to be a top three player in this draft. Um, he also has one of the higher bust potentials because of the durability issues. Now, obviously, I hope he stays healthy, especially since he has a chance to go um, to a team like the Bulls. But if I had to take a guy in the top 10, I think a lot of those other guys are so solid um, that I'll go with Michael Porter Jr. Now, give me a guy not drafted in the lottery outside the top 15 area um, who can be an all-star in this league. So this, this is going to be an interesting answer. You're not going to expect this one. So the player that I chose out of the lottery, and I'm not going to say he's going to be an all-star, but I, I do think he's going to be better than people expect, and that is Ohio State's Kata Bates-Diop. I like that pick. Now, the, the thing you don't know is, uh, which you may know, most of the people listening don't know, is Kata Bates-Diop is from some hometown that I am, and our families are actually friends. So like our families have known each other for a long time, and granted, he's four years older than me but you know I grew up watching him play and his younger brother is friends with some of my siblings so we've watched their family watched their family forever and watched Kata grow from this kid in high school who was you know 6'6 and 100 you don't realize you know he at Ohio State he's listed at 6'8 240 240 back in high school he was 6'6 185 wow I mean granted he was a very silky smooth player but he was he was real thin and granted he was still fantastic in in high school, he was, you know, ESPN had him ranked 25th in the nation back in high school, which, you know, is still pretty amazing. Like I said, he went to Ohio State, which is, you know, 
not a bad school to go to. He finished with the Big Ten Player of the Year. Granted, he did have an injury with his foot that forced him to miss a lot of last year. And talking to his parents and stuff like that, you know, my parents are friends with his parents and how frustrated he was, but how relentless, you know, he was. And that's what made him stay, you know, all four years as he wanted to come back and he wanted to put the weight on and really focus on his game, you know. And if you watch him this year, I mean, he was Big Ten Player of the Year, and I think he, he deserved it by far. Yeah, I agree. You know, he's, he's, he's 6'8", he's got a 7'2 wingspan, he's lanky, he's smart. He's kind of got that old man game where he isn't the most athletic guy, but he's just a smart player. He's got a great mid-range He's so game. consistent, yeah. He's very consistent, which, you know, in the NBA is such an underrated ability. No you know, doubt, like yeah. Who's good. You know, everyone wants, you know, I want this guy who's going to come in. I want the next Donald Mitchell who's going to come in and just be a beast, you know. Whereas, you know, have a guy who comes in, you know, he's not going to average 35 a game. But, you know, you can get a guy who's going to give you a solid 15 to 18 a night, you know. Right, yeah. Like, There's something to be said for minutes, knowing yeah. you consistently are going to get 15 and 8. Um, you know, as opposed to, am I going to get 35 or am I going to get 10 points on 25 shots? Exactly. And, and knowing Kata and knowing his family as long as I have, you know, he's a very unselfish player. You know, he's, he's a team player. He's going to, he knows his role. He knows what he has to do. You know, he played as a true freshman at Ohio State, but he only averaged, you know, five or six points. And, you know, he stayed focused and motivated. And he, he literally did gain 40 pounds in a year of yeah. muscle. That's crazy. And, you know, I think that takes a lot of determination to really say, really sit stuff down and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, hit the gym. I'm gonna eat right. I'm gonna lift. I'm gonna hold my game in. And you watch him this year. I mean, his numbers spoke for himself. I mean, he 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 played great this year. Yeah. Now for me, um, you know, I think this guy does have the potential to be a lottery pick. Um, we didn't have him in ours though, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and choose him. Kind of a little bailout, I guess. But Lonnie Walker, um, out of Miami. Yeah, that kid. You know, he's that kid he's lot. very young. You know, he really didn't have a great season at Miami. Um, I know, you know, we saw Loyola beat them with the buzzer beater. He struggled in that game. But uh, the, the tools are there. You know, he's he's very young, like a lot of these guys in the draft, you know, not even 19. But, yeah, I think his ability to, to score, uh, create his own shot, shoot the three ball, um, he's lanky. I think he has potential to be, to be an all-star in this league. Um, I do think he needs to go to the right situation. Um, get under a good coach, get under some good veteran leadership. Um, that's kind of been a question with him as well. You know, with some of these guys is the motor um, and, and the consistency. So we'll see. I think, again, he also is a guy who has a lot of bust potential. Um, but I'll go ahead and choose him as my all-star. Yeah, he, he's the kind of guy who needs to go to a team where he doesn't have to be the go-to guy right away. Right away, you know, yeah, he for sure. to come to a team where they can ease him in and, you know, here's your role going to be and, you know, you work I could you see him out, being a great out. San Antonio Spur. I, I was you, you beat me to it. Like he could be a great spur. Him, him next to Dejounte Murray, who I think is going to become who's going to explode in the next two years. Yep, I like Dejounte. I like Dejounte. Now let's see. Five years, five six years down the road, what's going to be the better draft class? Twenty seventeen, um, which and then you know they had Fultz, uh, Ball, Tatum, um, and then the likes of Donovan Mitchell, Dennis Smith. Um, some of those guys, or this year, you know, Aiden, Doncic, Bagley, Bamba, etc. Well, the thing, the big difference between the 2017 and 2018 draft class is, you know, the 2018 draft class, as we talked about when we did our top 15, most of the top 10 guys are all bigs. Yeah. You know, most of them are fours and fives, versus, you know, for 2017, it was a lot of twos, threes, and some fours. You know, it was a very different kind of game, you know. Watching this year's rookie class, I don't know about you, but I thought this year was one of the better rookie classes that I've seen in the last For sure, years. yeah. And I think I this mean, this draft class has the potential 
to be as good. So they that's do. why you know, I'm, looking, I'm curious. This year, Lonzo Ball had a good good year. I think there's potential for more. Jason Tatum is going to be a stud. He's going to be a stud. I've loved that kid since high school. He's from St. Louis. He played two hours from my high school. That kid is just a stud. He's silky smooth. I you saw him this year as a rookie. I mean, he let he carried the Boston Celtics to that playoff series. Yeah, him and, and Jalen Brown, almost, the young almost guys, took him over, almost took him over the edge. Yeah, you know, or the guy I just talked about, like Dennis Smith Jr., who is just electrifying and. You know, we, you touched on earlier, Donovan Mitchell, who in my opinion should be the rookie of the year. I love that kid. You know, one of the guys who stayed later in college, came in, had that already kind of veteran mindset. You know, when you look at how deep he carried Utah, he didn't really have that much help. You know, I mean, Joe Ingles is a good spot-up shooter. You know, Rowdy Hill, before they got rid of him. Rudy Gobert is a good center, but not a great scorer. He really took that team over as a rookie, and that's really yeah. impressive that most rookies can come in to the league and just dominate the way that they did. I agree. Guys like Kyle Kuzma, who was drafted what thirtieth overall, twenty ninth or something like that. Yeah, late twenties. Late twenties, and you know, look at him. I, I could see him in five years being an All Star. He keeps progressing it this way. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be hard to beat the twenty seventeen draft classes like success they had as far as like playoffs and accolades. Because okay. Get it? You know, Jason Tatum took them deep into the playoffs. Don yeah. Mitchell won a playoff series. Yeah, beat exactly. the Thunder. Yeah, look, ben it's Simmons, ben look. Simmons, if you want to count him, took them deep into the playoff series. Now nah, we won't count him as part of that draft class. Um, but this might be a great question to come after next season once they've had a full year under their belt. Yeah, um, I we'll kind of compare. I'm excited to see what happens next year because you know yeah. next year we'll be able to give a full. For sure. Opinion. So that means we have to have you back on in exactly one year for if the you'll next have draft. On, I'll be here. Well, we'll have you on. Uh, before before we we do that though, we got some free agency questions for you. You're not off the hook yet. All, All right. right. Three places Kawhi Leonard is likely to end up. All right, here we go. First one, Boston. Okay. I think him and Kyrie would be an unstoppable force. The only thing I don't like about that is if you look at it, you know that if Boston has you're tearing up that young core, Kawhi, they're gonna have to get rid of either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Yeah. I don't think Danny Ainge is willing to let go of any of those guys, and I don't blame him. I think those two guys in the next. You know, two three years are going to be the two of the, the best twos and threes in the league. Yeah. You know, if, unless somehow they can figure out a way and maybe get rid of one of them, keep either Tatum or Brown and get Kawhi and Kyrie, and if Gordon Hayward comes back, that could be scary. The likelihood of that happening, I'm not so sure that's really going to happen, but, you know, I know Boston has been reaching out to San Antonio yeah. trying to figure out what they could do. The second one, this one may surprise a lot of people Cleveland. Okay. I could see him going to Cleveland. What are they giving him, though? You know, I don't know if they're going to have to. If, if the Cavs, you know, what if the Cavs give San Antonio the number eight spot for him? Would you be okay with that? You know, I, as a Spurs organization, I'm probably saying I need the eighth pick. Um, probably another and first Kevin rounder Love, or two. Maybe not even a Kevin Love. Um, you know, I know that they made a lot of oh. trades for those guys. Maybe like a. A Jordan Clarkson, um, Larry Nance, probably a couple of those guys. Look, I mean, I think if Kawhi goes to Cleveland, obviously that's enough for LeBron to stay. If, if, if they can get away, you know, and you look at it this year in the finals, is it was very apparent. LeBron needed help, and he did not have it on his team. And if you look at the numbers, most of his teammates are severely overpaid for what they produced this season. Yeah, yep. I think if Cleveland was smart, they'd have to get rid of the guys that 
are not earning their money and that are just wasting salary cap space, go after someone big because, you know, they come to LeBron and say, look, if we can get Kawhi, but it means we have to get rid of, you know, player A, B, C, and D, would you say? I, I would be more than willing to bet that the answer would be yes because look at Kawhi and LeBron together, you know, I would be maybe the favorites probably to get back to the finals again. And I'd probably take them over Golden State because now LeBron doesn't have to worry about guarding Kevin Durant for a full series, you know, because Kawhi is, you know, arguably one of the greatest defenders in the league. Yeah. You know, Kawhi can stick Durant or Thompson or Curry, whoever has, you know, the hot streak and allow LeBron to just be LeBron and score and rebound and assist. You know, I mean, I think Cleveland had to pull some strings. We've seen it done before. You know, it could be very interesting to see what they do. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave up the eighth pick and someone else for for quiet. I think San Antonio would be okay with that. Yeah, I mean it's, you know, it's a question of will he commit long term? Um especially cuz you're going to have to give LeBron the max. Um you know, can you afford to give Kawhi the contract next year? So, who's your third team, LA? LA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's well, the most yeah. likely in my opinion. I think that's most likely too, but again, you know, they you know, what are you going to do with Kuzma and Brandon Ingram? I think they're both great players. I think look, I think in you know, in my opinion, I would get rid of Lonzo. I agree. Get rid of the his his dad and the drama. And I agree. They don't need that anymore. They don't need it. You know, Brandon Ingram is going to be a stud. You know, pair him with Kawhi. Let Kuzma develop. You know, Julius Randle's probably gone at that point. Um, but look, I think they they have a lot of room to to be to be a good organization, especially with the ability in, in cap space to sign another you know max free agent. Maybe yeah, Paul the only, George. The only problem I see with that is is they're gonna have to find a third team because you know right with Lou Dang's contract, and, yeah. Not even Lou Dang's contract, which also was a huge burden. Which you don't know why they're paying him thirty million, but you know, knowing the San Antonio Spurs organization and Greg Popovich, you know that he's not gonna tolerate Lonzo and his dad. You know. Well, yeah, that's a great point. So we'll see. Maybe they are gonna really push to get a Brandon Ingram. Exactly. You know, they've got DeJounte Murray, who, in my opinion, is another phenomenal point guard. Yeah, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really good. I agree. Now, let me ask you, with the 76ers, I think this is one team that is one one player away, um, like one stud player away from being a true championship contender. You know, a a team that can get past a Golden State if they can get past, like, a Boston or Cleveland. Um, Who's the better fit? You know, LeBron, Kawhi, or Paul George? And I'll tell you right now, I think it's Paul George. Wow, you took the word out of my mouth. I was about to tell you that I was going to go with the controversial pick and say Paul George, but I guess great minds think alike. Yeah, look, he doesn't I, he doesn't need to be as ball dominant as a guy like LeBron. Um, I think what he can do on both sides of the ball, um, you know, is is unmatched. Maybe not as good as a Kawhi. You know, Kawhi is probably the best two way player in the league, but Paul George is is arguably a top three, top five guy in that same category. Um, look, he's young. He's he's under uh, he'll be under control if you sign him, and I think he has a potential to, to just grow with Ben Simmons and Embiid and, and and hit the ground running. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, the thing you know, everyone would say, you know, oh, we gotta get LeBron, him and Ben Simmons would be great. But the problem is, is LeBron and Ben Simmons are, are arguably the same player. Yeah, you know, they both need the ball. They both are assist men. See, yeah, I was having LeBron that conversation with uh, Tyler. You know, he said LeBron, but I I think that might hinge. You know Ben Simmons' full potential because exactly. he's I, best I think, with having the ball in his hands, and LeBron needs the ball in his hands too. Yeah, exactly. My thoughts were, you know, in on paper, you know, any team that LeBron James is on is, is the favorite, but you know Ben Simmons is still what twenty four. 
Oh, he's younger than that. Ben Simmons is like 21. I don't know, whatever he is. Because he came out of high school, or he came out of college as a 19-year-old. Yeah, I mean, granted, he didn't sit a year, but still. still Yeah, so 21, 22 tops. You know, he's his first really full season. You know, he's still developing. I think if LeBron comes, you know, I don't think LeBron's going to go to a team like Philadelphia and be like, all right, Ben, this is your team. Yeah, he's not going to take a backseat. second fiddle. You know, LeBron's going to go and be like, all right, we're doing this my way. This is my team. And I think that would hurt Ben Simmons because, you know, let's be honest. As great of a season that LeBron is playing, and you know how much of a freak of nature he is, I'd give him what do you think, four to five more years, probably. Where he's playing like this, yeah. Like Look, this. maybe maybe he's got a plan. You know, let Ben Simmons develop. He signs a four-year contract, and he comes to Philly when he's you know 38, 39. Ben Simmons, this is your team. Let me come and win a championship with you. Yeah, that's that. That was what I was thinking. You know, I think if he were to come, he'd have to come later because you know if he comes now. You know, he takes over the team for the next four or five years, and then he retires. But it's like, all right, well, Ben Simmons has been riding shotgun for four years, and he hasn't right. had that valuable experience needed to develop. And now Ben Simmons is 27, and it's like, all right, well, now he's starting over again. But yeah. I think Paul George is just is, is the best player because he's just such a dynamic scorer. And, you know, he's one of the things that Philly's lacking is that dynamic scorer. Mm-hmm. You know, Simmons, Simmons is not a, you know, Simmons, while he's a great player, he's not going to be a guy who's going to go out there and get you 30 at night, you know? Right. Embiid will get you, Embiid will get you 25 and 12 probably when he's fully healthy. But, you know, if Paul George in a system where he didn't have to be the primary ball handler and it was just, Paul, oh, I want you to go out there. You know, Ben Simmons is telling him, I'm going to get you the ball right where you want it, right where you need to go out there, and you just go ball out. You know, like, give him the ability just to fire. We saw him this year in OKC when he got the ball in the right spots. He's a lethal shooter. Yeah. Being, he had know, a six, quiet nine, good six, year. Ten. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I think, I think he's the best choice by far. I think if he were smart, he would look that way. And, Especially, you know, in the East. They would, I think if Joel Embiid, Paul George, and Ben Simmons would, would contend with Boston and Cleveland, I don't think it'd be, be close. Yeah, I think they would get past them, and I think I think they have a good chance to compete with Golden State. Um, now let me ask you, is it more likely that LeBron leaves Cleveland or that he stays? You know, again, like we were talking, it really depends on what the Cavs are going to do. You know, there's talk that, you know, he's going to go to Houston, he's going to go to L.A., he's going to go to Philly. Well, we just talked about Philly, and we both can agree that's not the that's not an option right now. Yeah. If, that were, if we were advising LeBron, we would tell him that's not your best bet right now. Houston sounds good on paper, but here's the thing. is Like we talked about with LeBron and Ben Simmons, LeBron is such a ball-dominant guy. So is James Harden, and so yeah. is Chris Paul. Yeah. But that worked out. That did work out, I will say. And there was a lot of people that were a little skeptical about that, too. It did, it did. And, you know, maybe it would work. You know, maybe you know one of those guys is going to have to sacrifice their ego a little bit. For yeah, sure. It's going to be Chris Paul. Or it's gonna be, you, know, you know it's not going to be James Harden. Yeah, it's going to be that, Chris that's Paul. That's his team. That's yeah, his team. It is. But that's, that's so, the thing, too. LeBron would be sacrificing because, you know, is he going to come to Houston and say, James, this is your team? Or is he going to come to Houston and say... Take a back seat. This is this is my team. So exactly. I and I I don't know if Houston's gonna be willing to disrupt that. Yeah. What they have going because if you watch them, Houston was one game away from the final. Yeah. If Chris Paul doesn't get injured, I truly believe they win that series. Yeah. So I think with the Houston, it could work. It would definitely take some adjusting, kind of like it took you know the Heat when he left in 2010. How it took them like you know people don't remember when he went to the Heat, their first month and a half they were a 500 team they yeah. were not they weren't they weren't you know Golden State winning 24 in a row it, it took them a couple of months to figure out like you, like you saw they lost the finals that year it took them a while to figure out okay this is LeBron's team Vosh you're going to be that mid-range post-up shooter D-Wade you're just kind of be kind of Roman doing what you got to do but this is LeBron's team and I think it's going to take a little bit to figure out you know 
Chris Paul, James Harden, LeBron are all alpha dogs, but, you know, who is the alpha dog of the alpha dogs, you know? Yeah, I guess that's something that we'll have to see. Um, I do have one last question for you. This is something that we ask everybody. LeBron or Michael Jordan? Oh, Michael Jordan, not even a question. Goat? It's a goat. Not, not, not just because, you know, I'm a biased Chicago fan, but, I mean, watch the man, you know? We've seen, I mean, granted, LeBron is a freak of nature, and he's probably the first of a generation that we've ever seen, but and if you if you watch Michael Jordan, there's just, there's just something different about him. I mean, you know, we could spend a half hour talking about, you know, the fact that he's, you know, holds a record for the highest career average, you know, in NBA history with almost 31 a game, or the fact that, you know, he was a 10-time scoring champion, or that he has six rings and six finals MVPs, or he's got, what is it, five MVPs, and, you know, he's part of the Dream Team, and, you know, the two dunk titles, and... The fact that he never lost, never lost in the finals. And never even never made it to a game seven in the finals. Never went to a game seven. Yeah, look, and there's, it's so hard, um, especially us being from Chicago. You know, I, I, I did pick against Michael Jordan when I had this conversation earlier on the show. There's a lot of, there are a lot of times where I want to go back and say, you know, MJ, because it, it, it's tough. You know, if you're saying I need one guy to win me a game, I'm picking Michael Jordan, but if if you need one guy to go play basketball, it's LeBron James. But at the same time, you know, you're going to play basketball to win. Um, so exactly. maybe, so that's that's kind of where it gets tough. You know, it's kind of unprecedented to as to what Michael Jordan did. Um, but in the same token, you can say the same thing with how many finals LeBron has been to. So it's, exactly. it's tough. And the one thing that separates them is, you know, MJ had that killer instinct, that, you know, that, 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 it, that dog factor that, you know, we don't see in LeBron. You know, Michael Jordan was just nasty. He'd be in your face talking, you know, dunking on guys eight inches taller than him and, you know, willing his teammates to win. I was watching um, a talk show, a sports talk show last week, and they were talking about the game one flop with J.R. Smith and, you know, how, you know, people kind of criticize LeBron for, you know, the way he handles up, which we could probably agree he was immature in the way he handles up. Granted, he was frustrated, but he probably didn't handle himself the way that he should, being, you know, LeBron James and him being the team, mm-hmm. in his team. You know, and, so, and when I, it was a former Bulls player back in the 90s and said, you know, the difference between Michael and LeBron is LeBron pouts and, you know, kind of yelled at J.R. Smith, excuse me, you know, and kind of just, you know, fume and said, and they said the difference is, you know, MJ would have pulled the guy aside, cussed him out, and said, look, I got you on this team. I got you this big contract. You're going to go out there. You're going to give me a damn shot. You're going to go out there. And you're going to perform. You know, he put that fear of God into his teammates and inspired them. And, yeah. You know, I mean, he punched Steve Kerr once. Yeah. Exactly. And Steve Kerr said, my bad. I got this, you know. Just, exactly. Just respected him. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I, there's nothing. I, I can't disagree with you. You know, they're both the two greatest of all time players. Where you put one and where you put the other guy is is up for debate. That's why we ask everybody. But, look, this was a lot of fun, Ken. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on the show. It's always great when you and I get to talk sports together. We've been talking about this for, what, almost a year now? Yeah, yeah. We, we talked a lot of sports when we were when back at Augie. So, look, you're, you're someone I appreciate having on the show. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to plan on having you on more, especially when we talk basketball. I know you're a big NBA guy. Um, so, as the season comes on, we'll get you on more. Uh, but, guys... We're going to wrap up the show tonight. Um, this was Double Overtime, of course, presented by Shaft Sports uh, with your host, David, uh, our, our great guest tonight with a lot of great insight on the draft and uh, some free agency stuff, uh, Kenny, Kenny Schoenig over here. So thank you, guys, for listening. Kenny, thank you again for coming on. Uh, we look forward to having you on again in the future. It's, it's been a lot of fun, man. Thanks for having me.
Thank you for having me, Dave. It's always an honor talking to you. Anytime, brother. We will talk soon. Guys, hope you enjoyed the episode.